Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's pro basketball playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season as we have you covered for all of your sports wagering needs, basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, right to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games you can play right at home. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's BELIEVE. B-L-E-A-B. That spells BELIEVE. Bet online where the game starts. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Believe in UCLA football podcast. My name is James Williams, a reporter and editor for the Orange County Register and the Southern California News Group. And as always, I'm joined here by my co-host, former UCLA linebacker Josh Woods. Josh, what's going on, man? Life is definitely life in, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, the weather's heating up again. You it's know what? Day. You know what? And we talk about the weather often, but I'm upset because it's been like overcast. It's been windy. I remember coming out the store the other day and it was all windy. And I'm looking for the weather because I'm going to Coachella. I'm literally leaving for Coachella right after this. I'm and, sorry. And it says, it says it's going to be like 90 degrees. Ooh. And and second weekend. So it's going to be like no grass. No grass. A lot of It's going to be a lot of dirt. No Frank Ocean, but I kind of was expecting all along for Frank Ocean to flake out because he always seems to do something like that. Um, but yeah, Blink Blink One Eighty Two. Heard of him, but get, couldn't tell you a song. I probably know a song or two, especially like from we were talking about high school football before we started recording. I'm sure it probably played in the locker room, maybe, but I couldn't name a song. I was just saying, I feel like those groups. It's like always like, oh, this song was on Madden, or like I've heard this song in a movie. Yeah, yeah. but like. <laughs> I never knew Madden. that was y'all name. I never knew this is what you guys look like. Mm-hmm. There's songs from like Madden 2004 with Michael Vick on it that I remember, but I couldn't tell you who the artists are or like they the band or they just never had another song after that. Because you so, hear the song, you associate it with like Madden and playing yep. football, but you yeah you never associate like oh the group. You know what I'm yep. saying? So. Yep. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe you'll you'll get some nostalgia. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Maybe something will will pop off my head, and uh, we'll go from there. But um, before we we talk about some of the current things going on with UCLA football, we had some good feedback from our previous podcast on Twitter. Apparently, a lot of people love Shea Pitts. Shea Pitts is is apparently a, a fan favorite. We've had several guests on, and I have never seen so many people just demanding that we see more appearances from Shea Pitts. Um, what were your thoughts on some of what, what we saw? I tagged you guys in a few of the things because I wanted to make sure Shea saw some of that love too. But what, what did you think about Shea and, and the fans loving Shea? I think because this is just Shea just funny. And no, <laughs> literally nobody else is like Shea, especially the energy of, I think me and him go bouncing, you know, going, mm-hmm. going uh, back and forth between each other. Like, uh, yeah, we haven't really, I'm telling you, the dynamic between me and Shay was different than everybody else because right. I think everybody can 
understand or relate like the picture the, the picture we kind of painted of how our relationship was at the time and the mm-hmm. things like and it's like yeah that's hilarious um and he was probably the one that you were in the like com- compared to some of our other guests you were in the room with him in the position I mean, room it, with it, him more than the other guys obviously. i mean it it would be low, low kenny would be definitely be oh low one. kenny yeah 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 duh, duh, yeah because I, I was only i was in the same room with with shay for one year that's right um how can I forget Lokani? We did like three episodes with him. <laughs> yeah, we we did one really, really long yeah, yeah, extensive. Yeah, yeah. And yes. broke it down because it was so long. Yes. Um yeah, so I think it's just the dynamic that me and Shay have. <laughs> Everyone loved the this uh, stuff you guys were talking about with him having a question uh, every time and <laughs> That was like the highlight of the podcast for everybody. And everyone was probably was pretty uh, invested in after a while because that was like the earliest part of the episode, too. Because that, that's something like at the time it was annoying. But looking back, like it was hilarious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like I'm telling you, like if you ask anybody in the room, they will tell you that like, oh, yeah, Shay's about to go at like Shay would always ask Josh questions. <laughs> as soon like, as the meeting's over, he's darting over to Josh. Because <laughs> and I always try to pass them off to other people. <laughs> Poor Shay. He's just trying to learn. <laughs> I, I feel that. No, I'm saying I, and I, I appreciate him trying to learn. And I, like I said, like he was always a guy that um, no matter what the situation, like he was going to give his all, you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it got him on the field. It got him like put on scholarship. It's gotten him all these opportunities. Um, and like I said, he became kind of like one of the faces of UCLA football, which not and- many walk ons. And UCLA and UCLA in general. Yeah. Commercials and all that (laughs) commercials and all that. Um, So if you guys haven't already go back, listen to the shade pits episode. I'll try and remember to put that link in the the description, but you guys should be subscribed anyways, so that it should show up in your notifications. It should show up in whatever your favorite podcast or audio platform is. Um, But I'll put in the description for those who aren't. And this is also a reminder to make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you have not already. Uh, with that being said, defensive coordinator DeAnton Lynn spoke for the first time today. Um, I was not there because, again, I'm packing for Coachella. Um, had I known he was going to be speaking today, sometimes I leave it as a surprise um, as who's speaking because um, I got to match up schedules and see who's available. Um, if I would have known, I probably would have went down there um, and, and just – you know, because who knows when we're going to talk to him again. But um, you also got to hear the interview. It was on YouTube. Um, what were some of your takeaways? And we'll get to some of the X's and O's in a minute because he was confusing me. But you have a better understanding of that. But just your initial impression of him just kind of listening to, to him talk. Uh, one of the first things, like I said, he he has like he has like a level of maturity in his voice. I was like, he mm-hmm. sounds like older than how old he really is damn i just remembered he's like three years older than me and i was kind of looking at him like oh he's like he's an old he's an older looking dude than i thought like a mature was, dude like and he's yeah like it was like years he, older than me he, jesus <laughs> <laughs> but he sounded like an older like you yeah. this man has been coaching for like mm-hmm. 25 years like the mm-hmm. way you know that he was and i was like well you know that um because that was one of the things that we had been talking about was like this young energy like one of the youngest dcs yeah definitely opposite of anything that chip has brought in mm-hmm. um and then i think he was just saying everything that you would hope to hear from a defense coordinator's uh perspective um you know going off of when he first came in he was immediately mm-hmm. just watching 
tape of games and trying to understand, you know, what this defense was good at, what it wasn't good at, and the areas of emphasis that he's putting on is third downs and red zone. And those were two of the biggest things. I mean, everybody could say, like, the the pass, the run, but, like, when it really Mm -hmm. comes down to it, third down, getting off the field, and red zone preventing um, teams from scoring seven and hopefully holding them on to three, like, those are the biggest things that really can change a game and, you know, one of the biggest things for defenses. So um, you control those areas. People won't be thinking about just the pass, just the run. Um, so, yeah, I was, I mean, impressed from that standpoint, but I mean, like the identity of the defense that he's talking about, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not that he's the same as who before, but it's kind of, right. it's kind of like the standard identity defensive coaches want, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I heard a lot of the players kind of say. They're like, mm. I don't, and sometimes it's hard to decipher if like, are they nervous or they don't want to say too much or, but a lot of them are just like, mm, it's kind of the same thing we have been doing, except maybe a little, a little bit different. And I'm kind of like, okay, one, maybe it is the same or two, they just don't want to, you know, elaborate or, or give too much away. So I'm like, all right. So I don't really dig too deep on some of that stuff. Um, but yeah, like I said, he started talking some of that lingo and some of that inside football stuff. And I was like, I have Josh decipher some of that, but uh, was there, were there a lot of those terms? I mean, that is that just basic stuff, anything that stood out to you? Um, and then obviously he mentioned like some of the, some of the guys like Kenny uh, mm-hmm. switching, being a nickel and, and Alex Johnson, something like that, um, stuff like that. Did any of that um, kind of stand out to you or were you able to make anything out of some of that kind of stuff he was talking about? Um, I think things like that kind of all will factor in the game plan. Um mm-hmm teams will kind of you know scout guys to be in certain spots um so having guys like kind of move around and do multiple things kind of helps you especially in the fact that he talks about wanting to be able to disguise looks which i mean everybody kind of tries to do you want to keep you know make your cover one look like your cover three you know have cover two and next thing you know you're you're running cover zero like trying to disguise different looks and make things look identical and and you know that that comes down to how good a coach is as far as getting players to understand and um, know their roles, know their positions and, and those types of things. I, like I told you off there too. I think one of the, the biggest things like you don't really know how DC is going to be until that first game, as far as play calling. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what it is because, you know, spring ball, you can, uh, you could tell a little bit, but you can't really tell because you're going against the same offense. You know, you're not going against unscouted looks. You're not going against other people. You're going against only chips offense. Um, and but, but what? C- can that not be a benefit to some degree? Because like that was one of the things he said. He's like, on my first day, we ran, we did a nine minute period, and we ran like twenty four plays, and I don't know. He like he he was like, we ran twenty four plays, and I guess the nine minutes or something like that, and that doesn't sound right. He, no, no, twenty four plays in nine minutes. Yeah, is that Chip, okay. one, one thing though? Like Chip, like I like I continue to say, Chip's practices is the hardest mm-hmm. practice I've ever had. Um, okay. Just the tempo and the pace. Yeah, because um, he's it's it's a lot. It's fast. Like you're keeping it rolling. Like I'm saying now, professional practice. I'm like, we're already done, or like yeah, only, <laughs> it's not like already only, over. You only get twelve plays, like mm-hmm. total. We're used to doing. I might get 12 plays in a, in a rack, like in one, right. you know, period. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, and like, like 
I don't know. It's hard to say because going against going against your own team that doesn't really right. There are times that we're just like shutting down the offense, and that was like a regular thing. But like in the game, every mm-hmm. times we're like we struggled or the offense did better. Like you know what I'm saying? You of course you guys want to make each other better, but gauging off of each other is is definitely not enough. Um, and like you got you were saying about guys not saying too much. Like mm-hmm. at a, at a certain point, if you've been in if you've been playing football long enough and you've already had a year or two in college football, there's not a coverage or a, you know, defense wise, there's not a coverage you haven't seen or ran before. Like there's, it's really like defense, you know what I'm saying? Like defense is limited. You can, you can kind of try to scheme things up differently as Mm -hmm. far as like who's dropping where, but, or like, you know, a, a certain stunt, right? Like it might be, a little exotic as far as who's going where, but at the end of the day, like X's and O's, you know, somebody's going to be in this zone, somebody's mm-hmm. going to be in this zone, like somebody's job is going to be this, the job that, like there's only so many defensive plays that you can have. So like I said, it's going to come down to how he schemes it and how well he can get players um, to understand what to do. And I think that's another good point too, for me that stood out was he said, you know, just, Right now, he's just kind of looking at everything as a whole, just kind of big picture and just kind of evaluating just who everybody is and, you know, are they in the right positions? Is Maybe maybe an Alex Johnson could fit better here or this or that. Um, so that was one of the big things for me is like right now I'm just kind of looking big picture. He's not really jumping in too deep. And it sounds like obviously right now it's like a lot of basic install stuff. So I think he just wants to see the guys. And he's like, I'm not even looking at oh, this is the first team. Oh, this is the second team. He's like, right now, I'm just kind of looking at everybody in the groups individually and just trying to take it for what it is and process it, see who's understanding, who's picking up what we're learning. And then also, are they getting a better, getting better along the way as we continue to develop them and teach them? So I thought that was pretty good. I mean, I, you would assume every coach has that mindset, especially when they're first kind of jumping in. I don't know, I guess. I feel like maybe he kind of got, Maybe it was a little bit later in the offseason for a coach mm-hmm. you would have liked. Yeah, so, for sure. so maybe he, that is part of it. Like he's like, I just got here. And, you know, and like there really there's not really even a lot of time to look back and see what the defense was last year or to really say, OK, well, here are the guys that are returning. Here's what they did last year. Right now, it's just like, let's just see what we have as we kind of go and and just kind of do our thing. So um, obviously, a lot of the defensive coaches are still there and they can kind of guide them along the way with um, with some of that. He's actually familiar with some of the coaches um, as well because he kind of credited some of the coaches like Ken Norton Jr. and Brian Norwood for kind of helping him adjust and get familiar um, with the whole process of of just kind of coming aboard at UCLA. Everybody just wanted to take a quick break to remind you guys that the football season is right around the corner. And when you're headed out to the Rose Bowl, what better shirt to wear than a Believe in UCLA football podcast shirt? By doing that, you're going out, you're going to the game, you're supporting your team, and you're supporting your favorite podcast at the same time. Some of the proceeds go back to the podcast and help support the content and the different things that we have planned going forward. So what better way to, again, support your team and your favorite podcast than by picking up the shirts? Now, where can you find these shirts? They're available at the Believe Network store. And we made it very easy for you. Scroll down on this podcast. Check out the description. I got two links there for you for two different shirts. Make sure you check them out. Find the one that's right for you. And hopefully 
I see you wearing them out at the game. I'd love to see you wear them. I think so. Deonton Lynn's father is Anthony Lynn, the former head coach of the Chargers. Um, I believe he's the running backs coach for the 49ers, I think. Something, something like that. Something, yeah. He's he's a position coach for the 49ers. But um I guess Ken Norton Jr. played with his dad on the 49ers in 95 and 96. And then Brian Norwood actually was responsible for recruiting and bringing Deanton Lynn to Penn State. He didn't actually coach him at Penn State because he went to Baylor. Um, Norwood went to Baylor and coached there. But during um, Lynn's kind of high school career, he was kind of responsible for bringing him, uh, for recruiting him. And he eventually ended up going to Penn State. So uh, they're already kind of familiar there. And I think that's a good kind of uh, example of, uh, be nice to everybody kind of along the way because they may be your boss one day. <laughs> so, small, small world, man. You never know. It's a small world. So so the guy who's recruiting you is now kind of working on your staff in a way. So I, I kind of find that kind of interesting. But um, you got a good got a good group of guys there, a lot of them with defensive coordinator experience, so they'll help him uh, along the way. And it seems like things are flowing pretty nicely. The defense is, is pretty hyped and pretty excited during a lot of the plays. Um, during, no, during a lot of like the team stuff lately that I've seen, um, and I heard that was kind of some of the case today. Um, I think they talked to Kenny Churchwell on the, by they, I mean the media talked to Kenny Churchwell on Tuesday. Yeah. On Tuesday. And they said, um, you know, they were kind of cheering and celebrating some more. So they're making some plays. Um, Femi, who we kind of named Olu in the last episode, um, Femi, the, the cow transfer, he actually, I think, had an interception. Um, I think they had another guy, Joshua Swift. I believe he uh, had an interception during practice. So defense is making plays, looking good, and kind of doing their thing. But, um, but yeah, anything else about the defensive coordinator stand out? Or, or what would you kind of expect them to, you know, I guess maybe kind of learn by the time they get to summer? Like, wh- like where should, should – I mean, is there enough time to kind of be caught up or to really install anything new from what these guys are familiar with? Um, from a defense perspective, like your game plan kind of goes week to week, you know, because mm-hmm. depending on who you're facing, um, it everything can kind of change from a standpoint of what plays you're putting in this week. You know, what's the install? What are the base fronts you're going to use for this? And also the same thing, um, learning players, like, um, like you said, like, with with AJ and with with Kenny, like there's times where um even with like a you know, a player like a Carl Jones, where it's like they can do so many different things where it's like, oh, one week we want you to guard the tight end because you know, this team might have a good tight end, or mm-hmm. uh this team might have a you know, a really good receiver, so we want to X them out. So we want you to, you know, travel with this guy or extra, you know, keep a safety always on top of this receiver. Um, and those things are like week to week. Um so like certain things like that, like I said, we won't really know till the season. Like right now is the base stuff and understanding, like you said, just everybody being on the same page and guys just, you know, just seeing him, he's still evaluating, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I think the biggest strides will be made by the end of fall camp going into the season. But I mean, we won't know, we won't see until right with no media, you know, for fall camp. So you won't see until game one. Yeah, we ain't going to see nothing. So I'm trying to, like, figure out who's starting now. Um, I don't know if we talked about it, but I kind of have an idea who some of the starters are or who's working with this, the first team. Um, I think we talked about that last episode. 
Um, if not, I'll put a link to the article I wrote about some of that. And if we didn't talk about it, we could talk about it next week. But um, you gave me a homework assignment. You needed uh, the answer to two questions. And I think I, I told them to you already, but yeah. you you asked if Carl Jones, uh, what position was he playing? I believe that was one of them. Um, he is an outside linebacker. I double checked that. I asked the other reporters, but then I also made like saw what position group he was with. He's working with the outside linebackers. And then uh, no Sam Razo, which was your other question. Not on the roster. I haven't seen him out there. Um, I actually had someone tweet me that too. Like, doesn't he still have eligibility left? And I kind of thought he did too. Um, maybe I'll reach out and see what the deal was, but I don't think he's in the, he's not in the transfer portal. Um, I know he had kind of been banged up the last two years and I mean, he definitely, I think would have been eligible for a gray shirt if that was a thing. I wonder, um, how close they're playing the NCAA is kind of handing those out or granting those, especially when they had the COVID year. Um, Mm -hmm. and we're giving guys that COVID year to kind of, um, work through some of that stuff, but. I don't know. Yeah, he's not there. I'm sure Chip would have loved to have had him there. Love to have had him for sure, and, especially with you know the departure of John Gaines and Mafi. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if maybe it's because and maybe the secondary is kind of the same way because there's more of those positions on the field at one time. The offensive line, you have five guys compared to one quarterback and however many receivers, but. There's really not, it seems like there's not a whole lot of depth on the offensive line. And maybe some of that's just like, I don't know, maybe that it just sounds or looks weird. But then I I have to tell myself, because I'm like, you can't really write that, like, because there's there's five guys out there. So, you know, they can only one recruit so many guys and one, you really are only going to have so many linemen on the team, but they don't seem deep. And I think, I think the, the thing is, is they're just not experience because they're returning two starters one is garrett de giorgio and duke clemens outside of that you're getting new guys who are kind of stepping up um that have been with the the roster more or less or you have guys that are coming in with experience spencer holstage is holstage is another guy um, who's coming in from purdue um so but there but the transfer portal is open again opened on april 15th josh and there's been a number of different offensive linemen that have kind of made their way back into the portal there was one from usc who i think originally transferred from florida that jumped back in the portal and apparently i think that was a surprise um or i don't know if he i don't know how he could have jumped back in if i think he just got there but someone that they're fairly disappointed about so there's guys out there that they can get if they really needed to get somebody um but yeah it, it's it's kind of interesting because this is a new transfer portal window they kind of like voted and made early and even it kind of threw chip off um it was it was kind of quiet on the ucla front when it came to the transfer portal uh, but today they did have one guy um who did announce he was going in the portal he's actually a local guy um wasn't too familiar with him just because he was more of a scout team guy but jake newman a linebacker who is uh, from St. John Bosco. I believe he joined the program, yeah, in 2020. So he has a COVID year available, and he didn't play. He hasn't He hasn't played at all. He was just really a member of the scout team. So he, I guess one of those counts as a redshirt year, then just another year, and then, yeah, he's been with the program for three years and hasn't played. So he's really just been a scout team guy. He does have a COVID year. So I believe 
the math adds up right. He has like two years um, left to play, so he'll transfer somewhere. But it's dangerous to get into that portal, especially now because everyone's kind of figured out or locked in. Like you, you're looking for a team that's kind of desperate for to fill in some holes at this point. And I don't know. But at this point, I mean, I don't know if the coaches are like nudge, nudge, go into the portal um, at this point. But I mean, at school, at schools where their coaches knew and spring ball was like the audition, mm-hmm. you see Colorado right. had a lot of guys. You Jeez, know. they had like over 10. But I mean, I mean, this is the coach's first time of seeing on the field yeah, stuff. Right. And like if if a coach doesn't think that you're going to fit or, you know, and a lot of times new coaches will advise guys to yeah um go on you know what i'm saying because they'll politely tell them that hey maybe you should look somewhere else because when when chip <laughs> came it was guys that didn't even make it to day one and there was guys that after spring ball were gone you know what i'm saying it's like certain waves of is the mm. numbers was just dropping dropping you know what i'm saying and do you do you you don't have to say names but like are you aware of people who were politely told maybe you should look somewhere else i'm aware of people that were taking off scholarship damn <laughs> like you can stay yeah, but we didn't even we didn't even know it was a rule that you can, i didn't you think can, that was a thing i think it was like I mean, you can you can uh like if you got in trouble or something sure but you can pretty much like get three people off i think it was i think the number was three i think you can get like three people off the team like mm-hmm. off of scholarship yeah that's crazy but and like it was, it was that was after spring ball, I'm pretty sure. But and maybe usually that's kind of a, a way of telling them, hey, you got to go, because it's like if you're removed from scholarship, you're not going to want to stay. Yeah. Right. So it's like. But that um, wasn't like a that. was, But that was is different. A nudge to yeah. get in the portal and uh, you're off like you're you're not playing on. You're you're, you're not going to be a part of this team just because from the standpoint of I don't think you're good enough to be on scholarship mm-hmm. or good enough to be on here that's two totally different things that's probably a humbling experience for everybody though i mean maybe nah, maybe not not if it's a new coach because it's like i don't i don't know you i didn't recruit you but it like i would imagine if it's someone you recruited you're not taking them off scholarship because then that looks kind of silly on you because you recruited him you evaluated him um but yeah jake newman's been with them for a while so i'm not sure what the deal is there um or where he plans on going. I mean, he's a Bosco guy. I'm sure he had offers to go other places. So we'll see where he lands. But no quarterbacks in the portal yet. Everyone looks like they're still there, ready to compete. Um, that's probably the biggest position that I think needs, you know, that could have seen someone go in the portal. At this point, I don't know why you would get in the portal because you may not end up anywhere. But that's kind of it. It's kind of quiet, Josh. It's kind of it's kind of quiet. There's no spring game. There hasn't been a spring game. People still ask why is there a spring game? There's no spring game because they don't want guys getting hurt. I know because they started the c- discussion came up again because USC, Colorado, all had their spring games like last week. Arizona had theirs, um, and everyone's waiting for the UCLA one. There is no spring game, people. Chip, I had a conversation with Chip about that, and I when, mean, when, when at pro day, I had a okay, conversation with. Okay, him. I just we want to talk- make sure they know that this was a recent conversation. Okay, no, this, no, this was yeah, this is a recent conversation, and I was just asking <laughs> about spring ball and how everything and if there was going to be one or not, and uh, he's like, spring games are not spring games are, it's kind of dumb the way that mm-hmm. the, they want to do it. Um, there's times where like there's no score at all, like. 
Mm-hmm. And then especially there was times where we didn't have enough people. So it was kind of yeah, like, early, yeah, yeah. Early on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't have enough people. So if somebody gets hurt or something, then there's like not enough. Then yeah, all that. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think the way he has it is, is almost more entertaining because it's going to be a lot of situational work, like real football situations. Um, you know, short yardage situations, goal line situations, backed up situations, like the, the things that we practice or that we, the peers that we had in practice that were situational, like to the game is what they're going to do. And, those from a player perspective are like the things that you know you're actually going to get in the game um and even if the audience doesn't think it's more entertaining mm-hmm. from a football perspective and if you you know love the you know the game in the, in that way i think you'll enjoy it you know the saturday practices and if i was going to tell you if i were going to tell you to go to a spring practice go to a saturday one one because there's no traffic um that that's pretty nice <laughs> number number one yeah the number one that's reason. that's the number one reason because i i literally sleep in an hour later and still like and i'll go i'll leave the house an hour later and still be there the same time i would if i would have left at four o'clock in the morning so i love the i love saturdays but they're lit because there's more people like more people are off of work and stuff so you have more people going to spectate it you have more people there uh, for visits and you know the whole sideline between the two fields is like jam-packed when i'm on that media section in the corner i literally can't see them warm up because there's so many people along the lines uh along that sideline and then when we get to look from the parking structure i see a lot of familiar faces a lot of like high school coaches that i like cover in high school or that i have on twitter um like one of them i waved to from the parking structure he was like down there on the field um he had a few guys he brought with him so um, it's pretty cool from that standpoint. Uh, and I talked to some of those head coaches, uh, high school head coaches, and they're really impressed with what they've seen from UCLA. Um, I think one or two of them is like a UCLA fan as well. And he's like, I noticed a difference. I can tell like, it's a lot more exciting that like he can tell there's like, it, it's a little bit more upbeat this season, um, compared to previous seasons or previous practices he's been to. So, um, that's pretty good at the high school level. You're, you know, it's, you know, it's becoming attractive. It looks attractive. I, what I was going to ask you, because I can't really remember was, and I didn't do a whole lot of spring last year, was spring practice always open to the public? Or was it much like the season where like media would go for the first like 20 minutes and then that was it? Because I don't spring, remember. Uh, majority of spring practice, I would think, were open. Were they open? I can't. I can't In remember. my time, I can't remember. Okay. So Especially, if they were open for you, yeah. then they probably were always open, probably outside of the COVID year. I, I I think after the COVID year, a lot I like I get a lot of stuff mixed up, um, because it's like was this because of COVID or was this something we always did, um, but there's a lot more people. It's like pretty like I look forward to going on Saturdays because there's a lot more people. But then also when I'm posting stuff like on Twitter, people are a lot more engaged with it. Um, that's when I get a lot see a lot of the interaction and like get a uh kind of a vibe check of how fans are reacting to the team or like what's going on. And there's a lot more excitement. So I love the Saturday practices. I'd be out there on Saturday if I wasn't going to Coachella, but um, yeah, it's, it's pretty neat. I think you need to get out there for a Saturday practice at least Josh. Cause I think that's kind of hopefully I hope I get one. Cause that's probably as close as they get to like a spring game. Cause they do a lot more. Like they, they kind of put on a, it's kind of almost like this, like they have uh, officials out there, like NCAA officials. Um, they do a lot of team, a lot of seven on seven. Josh, can you, uh, as we kind of wrap things up here, 
there was one drill. Came, and I remember this because I retweeted it out. Kay Madrano had an interception. And we're like, oh, this was a seven-on-seven seven drill. And then I looked, and I was like, it was like a six-on-eight drill. Is that a thing? Six-on-eight? Yeah, where it was kind of like maybe they had an extra guy on defense to, like, pressure the quarterback with in, in with decision-making. I don't know. But I counted. Like, it was like six-on-eight, unless that was, like, on accident. But someone, I mean, if you're, I if you're in a – I mean, that's possible if you're if you're in a three-down. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it was just maybe to kind of put a little pressure on the quarterback, but there wasn't like a line, offensive line in front of him and stuff. They had um, somebody rushing the quarterback? Yeah, just like lightly and, you know, running past Oh, I mean, that whatever, might be but... one of the, I mean, but that might be one of the fire zones as far as um, dropping a DN when you're rushing a DB. Mm, okay. So like oftentimes, like if it's a situation like that, we're in the defense where one of the DNs or one of the outside linebackers needs to be in coverage. Mm-hmm. Then I guess the numbers will it'll look like there's eight on there. Okay, gotcha. Cause I was like, I like I had to count two or three times because it was like they did seven on seven drills, they did team drills, and then they broke into this. And I was like, what? I was like, I was it was kind of confusing, but I figure Chip knows what he's doing. So I just write what I see and I'm just like Yeah, I was like, there there's times where it was nine, <laughs> it was nine of us out there, but not yeah. everybody yeah. not everybody. But I mean that's how it is because in your defense is that, you know can do all these different things and like you said trying to match and you know make things look identical mm-hmm. if you if you're in a in, you know in your nickel front of a you know a four two five right yeah so you would have all the five dvs out there you would have two linebackers and then mm-hmm. the two dn outside linebackers you have out there say it's a carl jones and there's a pressure where you spin down uh, a nickel to blitz off one side and you mm-hmm. drop carl jones in the flat on the other side you know, he would have to be out there for the for the seven on seven. Right, 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 right. Okay. So it's like they're not that they're not that they're trying to rush or pressure the quarterback. It's that mm. that's how the play design would look if you're running it, if you're running that play in that situation. Like you need more than seven people. Gotcha. It sounds a little. It sounds no. If that makes if that makes sense. No, it it makes sense because it's just situational stuff. Like that's the thing. I think I wasn't picking up on at the time like oh maybe like it was like later on when i looked back at the tweet, i'm like maybe that was a situational thing um because it was like oh came and got an interception so i'm gonna tweet that out because i want to like highlight you know because people want to know how the defense is doing so i'm like you know the guys are getting turnovers but it was also a six on eight drill so whatever that means to y'all i don't know it would um, still be it, yeah so it's still seven on seven it's just yeah 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 i just took it as like it was yeah seven on seven um Again, real quick, as we head out, some quick notes, just to kind of follow up from last week. It looked like Devin Kirkwood was back with the first team, so I'm not really sure what was going on, but he's working with the first team again. And then it looked like Dante Moore was getting a little bit more second team reps this time around. Again, it's kind of hard to predict a lot of the stuff, but it looked like Dante was getting a little bit more second team reps uh, this mm-hmm. time around. But Chase, uh, not Chase, Ethan Garbers, uh, Chase is his older brother who played at Cal. Ethan Garbers is still pretty locked in as your number one quarterback at the moment. And J. Michael Strudevant, I don't know. I'm blanking on that. Like, I still got to learn these names. But J. Mike, mm-hmm. as, as the kids call him, or as the guys on the roster call him, J. Mike, the receiver from Cal, um, number two, is a stud. He's, like, pretty good. He's impressing everybody. And I'm getting the vibe the early vibe, kind of like we did with Zach Charbonnet when everyone said he was a stud, but then he also looked like a stud during spring. Again, it's spring, but 
it's like you knew Zach Charbonnet was a playmaker before the season even started. And I'm getting that with J Mike as the receiver. He's like their big body number one receiver. I'm, I mean, but for both of them, it's different situation because they're tr- oh, of course, transfers. You know, it's different than when. It's of course, like, of course. If you get that from a kid out of high school, you're like, well, but oh, of course. We we already seen highlights. So yeah, Zach yeah, Charbonnet, yeah. we knew he was going to be right, good because right, right, right. He was good at Michigan, and then J Mike, he was good at Cal. So yeah, yeah. But that's something to look forward to. Um, we'll we'll head out on that. Um, again, I'm not going to be out at the practices the last couple of days. Uh, but I'll still be retweeting stuff and follow some of the other UCLA reporters. I'll be out at Coachella, as I mentioned, with updates and having some nostalgia flashbacks. So with that being said, thank you guys for checking out the podcast. And again, this podcast was presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.